Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of what I am tentatively calling um, Enjoy Every Sandwich. I am your host, Zach, and uh, this is intended to be a mental health podcast. And so I'll stop right there because the first couple questions I would have are why another podcast and why mental health? Mental health is such a broad terminology um, that's used today. And so I'm happy to answer those questions that I'm sure all single digit listeners, watchers of you have. Um, so I uh, have had this idea for quite a while and um, it's been something that has been a struggle to start because I think when you want to do something, you want to make sure that you have a solid idea, um, not just you know something that people want to listen to continuously, but also something that um, inspires you to continue doing it. And so um, for me, I have found that throughout my life, um, mental health has been a struggle and it wasn't always something that I realized. It was something that I realized somewhat later on and in a really series of bizarre circumstances. Um, so, you know, the ability to uh, talk about um, the things that I've been through and, um, you know, sort of help people relate to maybe some things that they're going through. That was the the genesis of the idea. And so subsequently, um, you know, some things uh, happened to me that just gave me a different perspective um, on life. And, um, you know, without trying to sound, you know, too happy about it, you know, I just think that, um, you know, life is short and life is precious and life is important. And since we're here, um, we may as well, you know, share our experiences to not only make our lives better, but the lives of others better. Um, I mean, that's the hope anyway. So um, for me, this is intended to be a forum for people to share. And uh, I'm certainly going to use it to share. Um, you know, I think talking has been something that has helped me a lot. And that's not something that I did a lot of when I was younger. And, uh, you know, I think that um, my dog is over in the corner making a lot of noise. And uh, <laughs> so I think for me, if that helped me, I hope that it can help other people. And so um, really, I think I want to be able to have a spot where, you know, I can talk to people that I know, talk to people that I don't know, and have them come on here and share their experiences. Because I think it's really important to, you know, and maybe you want to do this with a therapist. I, I should say right off, I am not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist. I'm not trained uh, in any sort of medical field. Um, you know, I'm just a human being and the things that human beings go through sometimes can be really tough. And I think just having a place where you can work through your emotions, you know, to get a different perspective, you know, maybe I'm uh, looking at something in a really negative way or the wrong way, or maybe someone has gone through that same thing before and, you know, this is the path that they took and it really helped them. Um, that's really my intention here. And, you know, I'll give a little bit of a uh, background. So 
So really the name, right? The name, enjoy every sandwich. I can not take credit for the term itself, but I can take credit for naming this podcast that. Um, enjoy every sandwich is a line. Uh, of course, I, I think a lot of people, but uh, if there aren't a lot of people that know, David Letterman was the host of a late night show for about 30 years, maybe more. And his favorite musician was a man named Warren Zevon. So Warren Zevon was kind of this, I wouldn't say underground, but not really, um, you know, somebody that could fill out like Madison Square Garden per se. Um, people don't knew who he was, but his stuff was definitely out there, like lyrically and musically. And so he was David Letterman's favorite musical artist. And so he would be on the show all the time. And the thing about Warren Zevon that we came to find out was that he didn't go to a doctor for like 25 years. And he developed this like persistent cough. And, you know, he was on tour and he was like, ah, you know, it must be the flu. I'll, I'll push through it. And he, it, it never went away. You know, he, he got it in like March and, you know, by the time August or September or something rolled around, he said, okay, I better go to the doctor. And so he goes to the doctor and of course, stage five lung cancer. Um, and so, or stage five, maybe stage four, just inoperable. You know, that's, that's it. They can't really do anything for him except make him comfortable. And so, you know, he continues to write, he continues to record, and he continues to go on David Letterman's show. So the last time he was on David Letterman's show, um, Letterman asked him something like, you know, it, after experiencing all of these things, is, is there anything that you can share with us that maybe you learned or, you know, something that someone would want to do differently and uh, or something that you would wish you had done differently? And he said, uh, just how much I wish I had enjoyed every sandwich or I had some, how much I should have enjoyed every sandwich. And that always stuck with me because it's, it's a really, really great metaphor. You know, you don't know when your last sandwich is going to be, you don't know when your last day here is going to be. Um, and so that, that always stuck with me despite um, the sort of negativity that I enjoyed uh, subconsciously um, living my life through. Um, and so yeah, I guess that's that sort of helped me push through to to where I am now because all of these things that that I'm referring to um, that have happened to me put me here where I am right now. So, um, you know, like it started off really slowly um, and really small for me. Um, some of the issues that I was having, um, you know, my my childhood, I have a lot. And I'll underline that, you know, I have a lot of really, really good memories. Um, but I also have a lot of memories that are just sort of like balls of confusion and just, you know, things that I don't understand still, you know, just sort of the best way I could describe it is an inability to process emotions and events that are happening to me. And um, I just... I, I just have a series of those, you know, I, I think about it and all I, all I feel is just like confusion and stuff. So um, that sort of, uh, that was sort of the, the underlying feeling of the first probably, you know, 10 to 12 years of my life that I can remember is just having that. And so um, that was where it started. And in high school is when, you know, really, as you get older, of course, you start to experience things that adults start to experience, you know, um, 
in 2008 or 2009, right around the time that the market crashed, um, you know, so many families lost their homes and, you know, lost their jobs and, and everything. And, you know, sadly, unfortunately, um, my family was one of them. You know, uh, I grew up living with um, sort of my extended family. It was my immediate family as well as my grandmother and my aunt. And so um, we all, I grew up in the same house with them and it was a really great environment. But so after, um, after that happened, where my dad lost his job, you know, we had to leave the house and we sort of split up. And, uh, you know, the place that we went to, um, you know, it's, it's like when you, when you lose a job and you're trying to support, you know, a family of five, you can't just get any job. I mean, any job would help you, but also it, it's sort of fruitless after a while, you know, so um, we, we didn't have much of uh, any income coming in. And so, um, you know, we ended up at these apartments and six months goes by um, after sort of, you know, not paying the mortgage. Now we sold the house, you know, we couldn't sell the house because of the mortgage and everything. And so, you know, um, we sort of left the house empty, moved into some apartments, six months goes by, can't afford the apartments. Um, but one of the interesting things that happened around that time was that, you know, banks often lost like the titles or the deeds to homes. And so they could never foreclose officially. So our house was still there. So we moved back into the house and it was like, you know, moving back and forth, back and forth a couple of times in one year is a lot. Uh, added on to the stress of just, you know, struggling to buy food and pay for things and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think uh, looking back, I definitely just sort of rolled with the punches, you know, because I wasn't really capable at that at that time of ex working through the things that I was feeling or, you know, understanding what was going on too deeply. Um, and so that that was a big turning point in my life. Um, because it sort of shaped, you know, it, it, it did, it shaped the next 10 years, it shaped, you know, where I am now, which is in California. Um, so you know, fast forward a year after that, and I had graduated college, or college, no, actually, I did not graduate college. Um, a little wishful thinking there. I graduated high school, and I was on my way to college, and uh, my dad got a job in San Francisco, and so for, you know, for reference, uh, I was, I grew up in Massachusetts, so, you know, clear across the country, um, and so that meant that I was going to college and the rest of my family was moving to California. And so I was already sort of dealing with like being apart from them, but certainly not, you know, across the country. So um, I think you deal with that the way that, you know, any kind of 18 year old would is through anger and, you know, uh, trying to be a victim and just name any kind of like negative thing that, you know, a teenager would, would, would do. Um, that was me. I did it. And uh, I, I don't look back too fondly on that time. Um, but that sort of uh, led to what I later found out were panic attacks. Um, I'd start experiencing them sort of in random times. I could be laying in bed, I'd have one, um, walking to class, sitting in class. Um, I went to a taping of Jerry Springer, had a panic attack, didn't know what was going on. And uh, it really wasn't until later that I, I realized they were panic attacks. And I did just because you know, you have panic attacks doesn't mean that you're capable of uh, dealing with them. So I just, it made me really, really paranoid. You know, I, I, I became someone that spent a lot of time on WebMD. 
and said, okay, well, you know, I've got big toe pain. That means, uh, you know, I'm not going to make it through the end of the year and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, these things start to creep in. And so you add this level of anxiety with the level of negativity that I had throughout my childhood, which I think is sort of was born in into this weird thing that I had where I enjoyed making people angry because it made other people laugh kind of thing. Um, it, it, it's definitely sick and twisted. Uh, I haven't thought much about it, but yeah, I think, you know, being sort of caustic and uh, outrageous, making people laugh in that way, that, that kind of negativity can really seep in and it actually becomes a part of you more than you think it would. So you combine those two things together and it was stuff like I didn't want to leave my dorm room or I didn't want to get in the car. I couldn't uh, look out the window as we were driving unless I was driving because it was, it was too fast. You know, like I, I was suddenly afraid of going too fast. Um, I'd be I, crippling fear of flying. Um, and so when I flew, so after my first year of college, I decided that I would come to California with my family. And so it was the most miserable you know, experience flying because I just, every little bump, every little noise was, you know, something that I, I couldn't handle. And so um, I got out here and um, I thought I had a pretty good, pretty good summer. Um, but again, things start to creep in. Um, and I tried to go back to school and I couldn't make that work because my brain just wasn't focused on it. And I should say at this point, I've never, I had never had a job. You know, my parents never pushed me to get a job. Um, so obviously, you know, um, I just, I really wasn't very self-sufficient. And I think that played a, a large part in it. And so, um, yeah, I, I just continued to struggle with, with these, these weird um, symptoms. Uh, most notably was this ability, <laughs> ability, this feeling that I had to um, use the bathroom constantly. doesn't matter. I could go to the bathroom and two seconds later, I would feel like I would have to go like worse than I did before. And it was all day long for about six months. And I, you know, I went to doctors and they did tests and it was nothing. They gave me whatever, there's some sort of generic pill that they give people um, when they don't know what you have. Uh, kills every infection. Um, they gave me that thing and that did nothing. Um, and then when I started working, um, it just sort of gradually went away. And I realized that, you know, distracting myself or having a purpose for, for getting up every morning sort of put those weird thoughts um, in the back of my mind. So um, I started to work towards that. And, you know, I, I started watching what I was eating and I was trying to exercise a little bit more. And I think that helped. That helped set me on the right track. Um, but you know, the the brain is is an interesting thing because um, I would just have you know these these weird panic attack, anxiety inducing like just medical symptoms that were nothing. It was just me conjuring something up, you know, uh, to make myself you know, to to freak myself out and. Um, you know, these things just kept building and building and building. And so I, um, it got to the point where I could not really do anything. I was afraid, I was even afraid to go to the doctor. I was afraid to, um, to get in a car. I was just, it, it wasn't good. And um, 
of course, in my mind, I thought, well, it's it's just willpower, right? I mean, it's it's my own mind playing tricks on me. It's it's there's nothing that anyone else can do. I have to sort of overcome this on my own, and I I kept trying to do that, um, and I would do it for a little while, but then it would almost it's almost like it would creep in worse after I did it. Um, so it got to the point where I had made a dentist appointment, and you know I have this. I still don't like the dentist, okay? But I had this just intense fear of going. And um, I knew somebody that worked there. So uh, she said that her dentist was really nice and all this stuff. And so I went and it was fine. It was a cleaning, whatever. They said I had a couple cavities, so I had to come back. So I, I went back um, a few days later or a week later or something. And I don't remember the last time I had a cavity out. And so they came out with you know, a needle that was like the size of my arm. And um, I was like, well, why? I don't understand why, why is there a needle? Why is there a needle? Why? And I, I had this complete breakdown in the chair. And so I, I was, ne I would never let these things sort of interrupt um, what I needed to do with my day. Um, but after I got out of there, I just sort of, I got into my car and I just sort of broke down and, that was really the only time that I ever felt like um, I didn't want to be here, you know, like I, I just, I wanted it to be over. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just tough. Um, so I thought about it and I thought about it and I'm just like, there were, I mean, there's, there's two paths that you can take at that point. You know, there's the path that, uh, where it is over and you do that and uh, that's it or you ask for help and I'm not somebody that asks for help you know I couldn't be why I'm always able to get through this stuff you know I, it must be me it must be a me thing you know nobody else nobody else feels this way this isn't something that anyone else has ever felt so um I don't know what what drove me to to do this, but I'm I'm really glad that I went. Um, I made an appointment with my doctor, and so I got in there. And as soon as I start telling him about this stuff, I have a panic attack, and it's like it's really intense. And so what he says to me was, you know, this is once you're letting go of these emotions and you're telling somebody about this stuff, um, you know, you tend to, your body tends to react in a cathartic way, and that is you know that can result in another in a panic attack actually happening at that point so that was really strange and uh so we talked through some of the options you know um i never thought really about going to a therapist um that may have been something that 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 helped me but i think i was so far gone with the anxiety and the depression at that point that um, medication was the thing that I needed. Um, and so I, I went on um, Zoloft, which if I could describe how life-changing that was, I would. One thing I would say is that, you know, I love coffee. And um, I started working full-time instead of going back to school when I was 20. And so I was working in law firms and stuff. And I just, all these law firms had fancy coffee. And so I just became you know, a really big fan of coffee. And 
I was starting to think about how I would have three, four, five cups of coffee sometimes, and I couldn't stay awake. Um, I, I just thought, you know, well, maybe I'm not sleeping enough or maybe whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm not eating right or whatever it might be. Um, but as soon as I started taking Zoloft, it was like everything changed. You know, I had so much more energy and um, my uh, I wasn't really negative anymore. You know, like, I, like it obviously didn't happen overnight. Um, but uh, I should say the, the having more energy thing did, but, you know, it took a while for my you know, neural pathways to, to switch from being just a, a grouch to being a happy person. But, um, you know, it was really, really amazing. And I just think about that moment where I could have gone, you know, in either direction and how important it was for me to tell people about how it helped me and, um, how going in one direction was so, so much better than the other. And, um, you know, that really shaped a lot of things about my life that I had been suppressing. Um, you know, I, I decided to, um, you know, look for a different career. I decided, uh, I had sort of a revelation about, you know, something as, as deep as sexuality and, it was just a really freeing thing. And so I, I was able to start to work through some of these issues that I had growing up and work through some of the issues that I was having, you know, just encountering on a day-to-day -day basis, you know. Um, it's, to me, I, I don't think that medication works for everyone, but I think that I am beyond words and beyond words you know I, I don't know how to describe it to anyone except that when you go from this really really dark place to um looking at life and going like this is the, the trees and, and birds and you know cars and whatever just having an, an appreciation for where you are um to go from that just one extreme to the other is amazing and um I think that's the main reason, you know, why I'm why I'm still here right now. Certainly, I don't want to just like deflect any of, you know, the the personal growth that I had uh, in order to do that, and and subsequently because, you know, there were things like uh, fear of flying and um, you know riding in cars and and stuff that you know relationships. Uh, if you want to get deeper, um, you know, these are things that I still had to work on, but. Um, it, it gave me the ability to, to get through those things. And so um, the last couple of years uh, have been the best few years um, of my life. And so, you know, I think right when the pandemic started, um, everyone, it, it forced everyone to, to change how they felt about work-life balance and, you know, their priorities in life and what they wanted out of life. And, you know, I had been working in law firms for, you know, eight, eight or nine years at that point. And, you know, not as an attorney or a secretary or anything. And, and, and so the pay was great, but the environment wasn't. And so it was just for a long time, it wasn't what I was looking for. But um, I felt like the, the pandemic sort of gave me that push to, to change that. And so um, I started looking for different things to do. And that's when this idea popped up to do this podcast where I thought, well, maybe, you know, this is something that I could do that I don't know, you know, I, a couple months ago, I would have said, well, maybe I could be the next Joe Rogan, but I don't think that that's 
probably an appropriate thing to, to say at this moment either. Um, because yeah, but, uh, you know, I think, I think this idea just was never, it never had a complete purpose. And so, um, moving through the entirety of the pandemic as we are now, which is three months into 2022, um, I realized that working from home was something that meant a lot to me because I spent so many years, um, commuting into the city and it was just a drain. You know, I would, I would leave at as a lot of people do, you know, leave at six in the morning and come back at seven o'clock at night or later um, or earlier, you know, it's just, it's a lot. So um, I managed to find a job that I could work from home and um, that's been amazing as well. Um, And so one thing that, that, that did happen to me that I've uh, sort of been struggling with um, for the last couple of months is in October of 2021, um, I, I should backtrack about a month earlier. So September, I had noticed um, some moles on my back that, you know, you can't always see your back. And so I might go like a year or something without looking and, or I had in the past and, you know, I'm like, Ooh, that kind of looks weird. Um, But then it's like, it's still that fear of, you know, going. And uh, I think that's something that you have to overcome as well. Um, But so so I'd seen a couple moles and I had also been watching one um, on my arm that started off as a small little black dot. And then I had, I noticed it grew like a little border around it. Um, so I made an appointment and I went in and they looked at the ones on my back and, you know, full disclosure, it's, it's, it's definitely embarrassing to have to go to the dermatologist. Um, you know, you have to get naked in front of someone that, well, you, you'll eventually know them, but you don't know them yet. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, they, they looked at every mole and so they took a couple off um, and they took the one on my arm off because I mentioned it had been growing. And I, I didn't think too much of it because I had had moles removed before, you know, um, and I know that I'm fair skinned and I've had a lot of pretty bad sunburns. So yeah, I didn't think too much of it. Um, but a couple weeks later, I got a call that the one on my arm was um, melanoma in situ, which um, melanoma is the deadliest form of skin cancer, but, um, in situ is stage zero, which means that the cancer cells haven't grown past the, the outer layer of the skin. So in other words, it was caught as early as it could have been caught. Um, and so, you know, I, I think you take this information in and for me, my experience, uh, they told me this over the phone. So, you know, I don't know how... I don't know if that has to do with COVID or, or not, but, you know, I, there were a lot of questions that I had and I, I, I don't feel like um, I got the answers that I wanted. So, you know, it, it took me a little bit to absorb. And so then I set off, of course, on the internet and that it's like another WebMD um, rabbit hole, you know, you just sort of get, go down and you read all these things. And so I, I got a little freaked out. Um, but I was sort of assured by them that, hey, you know, this is, we, when we took it off, we got as much of it off, uh, you know, like we got all of it, I'm pretty sure. Um, so you really don't have anything to worry about in that spot. You know, you'll just have to come, you know, every couple months um, and get your skin checked just to make sure. Um, and so, so then I met with the surgeon over the, over the phone and, um, you know, she talked to me about the surgery because it doesn't matter how deep, uh, 
your skin cancer is and you know the severity of it depends on how deep it goes it doesn't matter you know they have to do what they call a wide local excision which basically takes um what is essentially the size of a quarter all the way around the area of the mole and they take out all the skin and so we talked about that and that was kind of scary but at the same time they waited about two months. Like they said, Oh, if you can wait a little while, you know, to get this surgery, then that would be great because obviously there are priority patients and you know, this was only a stage zero. Um, so I kind of tried to forget about it for a bit, but then as the, the surgery approached, I was, I was really starting to get nervous and, um, you know, I spent a lot of time searching about melanoma and, and reading stories and this and that. And it just sort of, you know, there were a couple of weeks there where I was sort of paralyzed in fear and, um, you know, so I had the surgery and everything went fine. You know, they, they got everything out. There weren't any remaining cancer cells in there. So, you know, really happy about that. Um, I will have to continue to go um, to the dermatologist every six months for the rest of my life. And hopefully, knock on wood somewhere, that I don't have another one. Or if I do, you know, it's caught as early as this one. Um, but so probably about like two weeks after the surgery. So I had the surgery in January of 2022. And um, a couple of weeks after that, I had just a series of really bad dreams. And I just, I, I found myself like sort of unable to get out of bed. And I was just like still down this rabbit hole. And um, it was really starting to take control of, of my life. And so one of the papers that um, they gave me when they discharged me was a, well, it was a pamphlet for the American Cancer Association. And I noticed on the back that they had a hotline and everything. So <laughs> opening up, which might sound, uh, might be the antithesis of what I've just been talking about for the last 30 minutes, but opening up is not necessarily easy for me. So I sort of sat on it for a couple of days and then I, I just, I couldn't take the mental angst anymore. So um, I picked up the phone and I called and I talked to someone who was really super nice. And, you know, he gave me, a bunch of resources, um, you know, local, local resources, people that I could reach out to. Um, you know, I could always call them back again and just talk through some stuff. But, you know, after that phone call, it lasted about 45 minutes. And, you know, we just went through a whole bunch of stuff. And after that call, I felt so much better. I mean, I, obviously, you know, the problem doesn't go away, but talking, talking felt so much better. And, that's when the idea for doing this clicked. It's like, if I, yes, this is beneficial for me, but if I can work through my emotions while also potentially sharing the stories of others and, you know, giving them a platform where they can talk and they can work through their things and, you know, just a really sort of safe space for that, you know, that, that I think is important to me. And, you know, whether one or two or zero people watch this, you know, then it will be an exercise in my own uh, mental health um, improvement. But that's sort of the impetus behind doing this. And, you know, I think, um, I think we live really in a world where people don't want to talk about their problems, and people just sort of put their heads down and uh, get on with their day. And, you know, some people are really good at managing that. Um, and some aren't. And for me, this is this is my opportunity to to give back because I just I, I feel like I've had this sort of revelation where 
and I will admit part of me does feel a bit like, you know, what, why, why did I, why was mine only stage zero and why is someone else's stage four? You know, why, why, why is it easier for me and not for them? You know, th these are things that I have and uh, thoughts that I have and guilt. Um, but I, in feeling that, I also looked at my own mortality sort of in the face in a way more than I ever had before. It's certainly the most serious thing that ever happened to me health-wise. And, you know, I've broken plenty of, plenty of bones and I've injured myself plenty. So um, I've put my body through the ringer, but this one, this one took me. Um, and, and so I think, um, I think the outlook that I have has to be positive. It can't live in that negative space any longer because I can't live the rest of my life negative. I can't live the rest of my life hating every moment. I can't live without appreciating where I am and what comes next. I want to be happy. And at the same time, I also want to give back and hopefully help other people. You know, right after, about six months after I got on medication, um, a friend of mine a friend of uh, some of the people that I've known online for a long time um, committed suicide. And that was a really tough one for me because we had roomed together at um, a mutual friend's wedding. And, you know, it was like four days. And when you room with someone like that, you know, you get to know them. And um, I just regret, you know, not having the opportunity uh, to understand what he was going through and, you know, to, to talk with him about that and then to share what helped me. And so it's been a long road here, but I think this is the intent um, for me. And so I would love to have on, you know, some of my friends or, or people I don't even know just to come on and, and talk. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I do one episode and this is it. And it's just me sitting here talking to myself or maybe, I do a bunch, um, but but that's the goal. And so uh, I don't want to say much more than that, but hopefully um, anyone that made it this far uh, comes back for the next one. And hopefully, uh, you know, beginnings, the beginning of something and transitional material and the end of something are not my strong suit. I can sit here and talk for 35 minutes um, and the time will go by like that. But as soon as I try to end something, it gets really awkward. So um, in the words of Fraser Crane, I'm just going to say, uh, have a good night and good mental health. <laughs>